Before we get into the episode, we'd just like to mention that due to the current global pandemic, we are conducting some of our discussions with guests on online mediums and therefore there might be some inconsistencies in audio quality in the conversations. Thank you so much for your understanding. Please note that the topics, issues and areas discussed in this podcast may cause distress to some listeners, as well as the possible use of bad language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to Addressing the Elephant, the mental health podcast. As always, thank you so much for joining us and for helping us create a space to have conversations and normalizing conversations about mental health. Today, I am delighted to say that we have a guest on the podcast today. His name is Joseph um, and Joseph is a third year social care student. He's involved with the mental health uh, societies in his university and he's all, also a massive advocate for mental health and very open and Um, expressive about his experience with mental health and also supporting the mental health of others through a lot of work he's done over the years. Joseph, hello, how are we? Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to jump straight into it, Joseph. And so in your own words, can you tell us a little bit about your mental health journey? Okay, so um, my mental health journey is heavily involved with bipolar disorder. And bipolar disorder is a mental health condition that affects your mood. So you can swing from one extreme to another, so manic to low, and it used to be called manic depression. One in every 100 people has a diagnosis of bipolar disorder, according to AWARE. So bipolar affective disorder presented itself to me when I was 15. Mm -hmm. I presented with bursts of energy and I couldn't sleep for days. I was full of anger and paranoia. Eventually, I believed that the guards and the FBI were hunting me down. I couldn't sleep and the only way I could rest was if I had weapons planted everywhere, kind of like what your man in Home Alone did. I had knives under the couch and hidden everywhere. So eventually I was getting signs from God and was talking to dead people, so like relatives that had passed on. It was a really horrible time for me and I can Mm -hmm. now reflect that these were the symptoms of my bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. Things will get better with time, but I really did believe there was no going back, that I was going to be stuck in this dark path forever. This went on for several days, but eventually I was admitted into the CAMS unit, um, the inpatient unit where I was admitted for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And so for those listening who are unaware of what CAMS is, CAMS is the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service based here in Ireland. Yeah, it was a really weird time and I could talk for hours just about being in that hospital. But the main thing that was helping me in there is that I found other people that were living with the same illness and I kind of began to realise that I wasn't alone. Because for years I kind of thought I was the only one going through this and there was no one else out there. But the quote that I used during that time, and it's kind of really powerful to me still, is it might be stormy now, but it never rains forever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So getting out of hospital then, um, it was my junior search year that I was put into hospital and the CAMS team and the principal made clear to me that there was no need to cause any extra stress for myself by doing the junior search. But um, I made the decision to complete my exams because I didn't want to fall behind. Fair play to you. Um, 
so the principal gave me all the support that he could provide and my parents were very supportive and it didn't bother them what I did as long as I was happy. Yeah. I was motivated not to fall behind my peers and I completed my junior set. Now it was very challenging but I wouldn't take no for an answer. It was a really major step in my recovery. I got out of the Cannes unit in April and I had my exams in June. Mm-hmm. I imagine I would have went down a very different road if I didn't do the junior cert. I would have fell behind my peers or I would have dropped out. But the only thing keeping me happy the last couple of years was I was working towards my dream to study social care. Mm-hmm. And if, for me, if I didn't do the junior cert, it would have been a huge barrier to continue on. Mm-hmm. And why why is social care your passion? Sorry, I'm cutting across you here now. Why why is social care one of the passions that you were looking to do? Um, I suppose it's just because um I've received so much help and I just like helping others and because I've been through such a rough time I've so much empathy mm-hmm. and I can understand what others went through and I've been through different social care areas, so I was heavily involved in youth work. Mm-hmm. So um, I just have that experience and a passion for it just mm-hmm. kind of grew out of it. Yeah. So um, having a support network was was and still is one of the main things that helped me in my recovery. My poor family has seen it all and they shaped me and helped me through it all. My friends have really supported me 100%, although a few of them have struggled with my symptoms at times. I remember one girl saying to me, um, oh, thank God that monster is gone now because I was in like a low episode or something. Mm-hmm. And she goes, thank God the monster is gone and my um, Joseph is back. I didn't know what way to take it, but I was kind of saying she didn't understand it either. Mm-hmm. And is that something you struggle with, with trying to explain bipolar disorder to people because on one side you you don't actually need to explain yourself to anyone um but is it something you feel you do need to explain and is it something you struggle to explain or not most of the time I kind of think everyone kind of understands it but the stigma around bipolar can be quite frightening like I remember me and my mother were watching a film about bipolar and just to kind of get a bit a bit of education and it scared it scared the shit out of her because um this fella was very severe mm-hmm. and she was like oh I couldn't take you if you got like that like this fella was going murdering his family mm-hmm. so how it was portrayed on media was actually like frightening and I remember she went into the psychiatrist and was like what the hell am I living with like Mm-hmm. And she said, no, that's only a severe case. She said, Jules is very, very mild. And I suppose it was good for her to have that sort of reassurance from the psychiatrist. Yeah. So youth work was basically my home for a couple of years and it really helped rebuild me. Mm-hmm. Um, my community was very supportive. They seen past my illness and accepted me and supported me for who I am. For example, I'm very, very open with my illness and... That's something that maybe not a lot of people appreciate. Like maybe they have the illness, but they suffer in silence or they don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I have known, as as we both know, I've known you for a number of years, Joseph. And that is one thing that's always come straight across is you're always very open and very genuine, either about where you're at or talking to other people about where they're at. Um, and that's one thing that I've always noticed about you. 
but no one ever passed any heed or didn't discriminate against me because of this. Mm-hmm. And um, I often spend a lot of time chatting and messing with my neighbours, which is great. Like, it's great to have them there and they're there for me when I go low then as well. Mm-hmm. So this was one of the best parts of my recovery. And I think in your recovery, it's only as good as you make it. So you can be going to appointments, but you have to be a bit proactive in the appointments as well. You have to be making an effort to actually trying to change things. Absolutely. Like you can be given all the help in the world, but you have to make an effort yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So for me, an example of this was I was going to the adult mental health team and I was always seeing these student doctors and they switch every three to six months. Mm-hmm. And some of these aren't even experienced in mental health. They're just doing a placement. Mm-hmm. So I went into the consultant and I looked it up on the internet and it said that I had an entitlement to see her at least once a year. So I demanded it and she had no choice but to meet with me. And now I get to see her every year. No, oh, fair That's It's an important thing to be able to stand up for yourself and to be able to acknowledge, well, no, I'm entitled to this. So, yeah. Because she's kind of the specialist on the team. She's mm-hmm. the most experienced. Mm-hmm. My last major episode was about a year and a half ago. Okay. I had like a hypomanic episode. And for um, people who don't understand what hypomanic is, can you explain to us the difference between hypo and hyper? Right. So a hypo is low, which is normally seen as a depressive episode. Okay. But when you put the hypo and hypomanic together, it's just like a less severe manic episode. So the manic episode is what I described earlier on where I was seeing signs from God and the FBI were chasing me and energy burst. So a hypo, a hypo one is just a lower, it's not as severe okay. as the one I went through earlier on. Mm-hmm. So um, I had my hypo episode and my medications didn't work. I took everything prescribed. I took my emergency tablet, nothing worked. I rang all the helplines and I was talking to the Samaritans and they were great. They were very good. But like we were talking for an hour and it just went to the stage where I was like, I don't think you're the right people. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying your best, but I don't think you're equipped. to. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I need to see a doctor or someone. So um, we decided that's what I would do. And I rang my GP out of hours service and... I couldn't get through with the, it was just trouble getting through mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. have a hospital in town so I rang the A&E to see would it be enough of a case to go up and she just told me to wait for the clinic the next day it was four o'clock in the morning and I was severely vulnerable at the stage yeah so that's what I did I went up to the mental health clinic at nine o'clock and they said they had a psychiatrist but he was busy all day seeing other patients to go up to any so they were circling me all around and that's and not what you want when you're in a in a vulnerable no. state like you said no so I had to I had an appointment in Galway City as well and if I cancelled it I wouldn't get another one for six months so they made me go down there but this is one of my favorite moments a friend from my youth work past seen a post I had on Facebook and reached out to me and she said if you're around or she took me out and we went for a talk and we went for a coffee and mm-hmm. like this woman was kind of the manager of this organization and she just took time to kind mm-hmm. of 
help me and it was so nice because I always see this woman as being so busy mm-hmm. but it, it was lovely yeah and that to have my, sorry yeah. I was just saying to have someone see and be like hey do, do you want this kind of space and time not any expectations over it but it was like you know yeah. I, I see this post and let, let's go for it yeah that was really nice um when I got home from Galway then I still wasn't calming down and my energy levels were still over the roost and I knew I could go for another two or three days so I decided it's time to go to A&E when I got to a and it was actually a really nice experience I went to the receptionist and I was able to give all my history like for example I'm have bipolar now for the last five years I've t- taken all my medications I'm on a manic episode I need to see the psychiatrist and call and she bypassed me through triage she didn't need to send me in mm-hmm. and within 15 minutes to half an hour I was in A&E and they'd done all their vital checks and all that stuff they got me toast and tea and within 40 minutes the psych was there we done an hour talk therapy, which I thought was really interesting because mm-hmm. all of them wouldn't t- take that approach to be straight to the medical script. Mm-hmm. But he he was brilliant. Yeah. And then he said, look, I've done an hour talk therapy and nothing's working. So you're on a manic episode and you need medication. And I said, I didn't want to be on more medication, mm-hmm. but he assured me that he'd only put me on it for three days. It's a quick fix. Mm-hmm. And then you come off it again. And that's what happened. That and was it helped it. over the three days. Yeah. To make it extreme, then I went into college and done my exams on top of that. Don't do so. things by halves. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose one thing you mentioned there was that you did an hour of talk therapy with him. And I just want to throw a question out to you about different types of therapy, because um there is talk therapy there are creative therapies there's cbt cognitive behavioral therapy and all this sort of stuff um i would be an absolute fan of different creative therapies and i think that talk therapy does not work for everyone um i don't dismiss it because i myself have done talk therapy but i suppose i'm just throwing it to you in uh what are your thoughts about some of the different types of therapy or maybe what are some types of therapy that work for you do they work with your bipolar or is it more the medication side that you need well you've mentioned the creative therapies Mm -hmm. he actually threw in a bit of kind of drama therapy on top of Mm -hmm. the talk therapy like he started talking to me and he was almost as if he was making puppets out of his hands and doing funny voices with them. And he was just brilliant. I've never seen nothing like him. I think it really worked. He was really entertaining. He got all his points across. He let me rant for an hour and then he took one hand and said, well, this is what this puppet thinks and this is what that puppet thinks. Mm-hmm. I just, it was like watching the telly, like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been through other types of therapy as well. CBT, I think is quite good. And for those who don't know what CBT is, um, what we're referring to is cognitive behavioral therapy, which um, is a therapy that compares and thinks about the thoughts that we have and how they interact with our behaviors. So I might have a certain thought and it causes me to do a certain behavior. Um, so CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy examines the, these relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for myself when I get overwhelmed with anxiety or that I can use CBT and I can just like A4 pages and write all my problems out and go through my thoughts my behavior 
and my action plans and how I'm going to change things. And it just settles when it's all on paper, it settles my mind. I've been through DBT, which is dialectal behavioural therapy, which mm-hmm. is kind of focused towards bipolar and schizophrenia and borderline. Um, and that was really good, but there's a lot of homework to it. You have to practice it every day. And I know meditation is quite good. That's not really a therapy, but... Yeah, but at the same time, I know you're saying that's not really a therapy, but this is a discussion that I always put across for people in the sense that there are so many different things that we can do for our mental health. Like I know people just think of medication and therapy, but I mean, if meditation works for someone or if standing sometimes when I'm just so pent up, I just stand and scream into the fields or scream into the ocean. And if something like that works for someone, who am I to judge that if it makes you feel a bit better? Um, so if you say meditation works for you, I, I probably shouldn't have used the word therapy. Um, other other techniques. Meditation say. would work. And, you know, did you ever see the anxiety grounding technique where you look for five things you can see? Mm-hmm. Five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, that one. Yeah. It's so brilliant. for um, those who don't know it, uh, the technique Joseph and I are talking about, uh, as he said, it's a grounding technique. So it's five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell and one thing you can taste or um, any kind of variation of these whichever way you want to put it yeah. I always when I'm doing it I put a specification in for myself that I can't replicate the same thing so if I can see a table I can't now say that I can touch that table as well uh, simply because it takes a bit longer for me to do because if I just have five things I was like well I can see five things I can touch four of them I can smell three of them yeah so I always specify for myself um that it has to be different things for every category because it extends it and I actually have to concentrate and focus on what's around me a bit more yeah so now the medication I swear by it like when I was transitioning from children into adults I was on like Mm -hmm. a children's dose for bipolar or a children's med and when I started getting older then my episodes my depressive episodes manic episodes were really frequent they were like 12 episodes a year so when I went on the new medication, I'm only having one maybe every year and a half. Mm-hmm. But I am hoping to when things calm down with my busyness and my college and all, that I might be able to reduce medications and get mm-hmm. it to the minimum as possible. Like obviously with the help of the doctor, like absolutely, that's the plan for the future. Absolutely. And I suppose that's that's something that definitely needs to be worked on with a doctor is if you're ever considering reducing medication like myself. I've said in the podcast previously that I take um, medication, I take antidepressants and I am currently working with my doctor to reduce my dosage. And that isn't something I should do on my own because obviously no. there's side effects to medication. And even if I forget to take my medication for a few days, I get very bad vertigo. Um, so, and I've never experienced vertigo in my life. And so there, you know, we've talked about your medication. We've talked about different types of therapy. Are there other things that kind of support and help you in maintaining your mental health or uh, maintaining recovery? Yeah. So other factors that help then the medication, professional health and exercise is great as well. Could be going for a walk or whatever. But my opinion on medications has changed over time. Like at the start, I've seen it as a as a burden and I had so many arguments but eventually as I went on I realized it was an essential tool for managing my illness and I realized there should be no shame over it like Absolutely. it's just as essential as someone with asthma needs an inhaler to manage their illness mm-hmm. that Absolutely. I need meds to manage mine 
moving forward, I'm five years on from my diagnosis. I'm in third year of my dream course, doing what I love, social care. My mood swings are less frequent and have started to stabilise. The illness is still present, but a lot more manageable. Mental health affects everyone different. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Joseph. Uh, I have a question for you, if that's okay. And it's maybe what is one say tip or idea or technique or something that you would give others to um, manage their mental health I know we had had a discussion before about self-care but I don't know is this what you see as something that people need to be um, mindful of or are there other kind of tips and ideas that you would give people um, in relation to mental health I think um, the self-care is very essential if you ever look up the five a day for well-being Mm-hmm. And so the five a day for your mental health being uh, connect, give, take notice, keep learning, be active. Yeah, there we go. Joseph knows them a lot better than I do off the top of his head. <laughs> yeah, but also things like, um, you know, I'm busy a lot of the time, do a lot of college and commitments. So just even looking at a film that I like is a great chill out or and turning on the speaker and doing a dance a disco session just by my own I love it. solo dance parties I'm a fan yeah. I'm a big fan of solo dance parties yeah it just um releases a lot a lot of stress and lets the yeah. endorphins go and it's different for everyone you just have to find what works for you absolutely and I think that's a key thing that not only is self-care so like mental health is a very individual thing and it impacts and like you said you um have a diagnosis of bipolar but your experience with bipolar isn't necessarily the same as everyone else who's experienced bipolar and it's the same with self-care it's so individual we need to find things that that do work for us that do suit us um and even kind of being what what's the word i'm looking for Uh, not flexible but it's like something that might work one day for me won't work the next day and sometimes i just need to be there with my emotion or be there with my feelings and 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 even when we're talking about addressing the elephant in the room Mm -hmm. like it's kind of worked for me to be so open with my mental health but for Mm -hmm. some other people they might have different ways they might have two or three friends and a couple of family members to talk to it mightn't suit them to be as open Mm -hmm. like it's different for everyone it just depends absolutely and you say it's 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 helped you because I know I I said it when I was talking about my own mental health is that one thing that I've actually gotten out of my diagnosis and all that sort of stuff is the fact that I'm now open and I'm able to tell people and I think that's actually more benefit to me than yeah. any of the other things I'm doing like it might suit some people to be completely open and others to just disclose to a couple of friends or mm-hmm. do you know like it's different you're absolutely correct Joseph um well Joseph we've come to the end thank you so much for joining me and for being so open about your mental health journey and your mental health experiences I hope I've given you some idea of bipolar disorder and my story. Indeed. And again, thank you so much, Joseph. Um, So that's it for us um, from this episode. Uh, As always, if you wish to get in contact or wish to be involved in the podcast in some way, do reach out and get in contact with us on social media. We are at thegreenelephant.ie on Facebook and Instagram. On Twitter, we are greenelephantmh for mental health. So greenelephantmh. Um, And reach out if you would like to have a conversation with, with us. We would only be delighted. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Address the elephant in the room. Your mental health matters.